We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where you learn how to be a leader and not just a manager of a to-do list. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Your to-do list is a hungry monster that is never satisfied. For the last year and a half, I've helped principals get awards, get promoted, and find the time to do the work that really matters. I recently opened a new mastermind slot. Schedule a call with me and let's overcome the stressed and isolated principal position together. Go to the show notes for this episode at transformativeprincipal.org and click schedule a call with Jethro. Hey everyone, this is Stacey Lindis from Podcast PD, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual host. Make sure you check out all of the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. Welcome to Transformative Principle. Today is a special interview where I'm having Naftali Hoff back on the show to talk about something that is a challenge facing all of us. And when Naftali first talked to me about this, I said, man, this is excellent. We need to make sure more people hear about this because it is very powerful. And that is dealing with understaffing, which, you know, I've got some budget issues in my district. I don't know if anybody is totally flush with money, but I'm certainly not. And so we don't quite have the number of people that would be nice to have. And so Naftali has um, experience and ideas to help us with that. He even has an epic solution to understaffing. So Naftali, welcome and thank you for being here today. I appreciate it. Jethro, it's a pleasure. And uh, yeah, your insight when I uh, first uh, shared this idea within my inner circle was extremely valuable and really made a major contribution to uh, to what we're talking about today. So thank you. Well, great. I'm I'm glad that I could could help because I feel like you have helped me a lot. And so I want to talk about the idea of understaffing and I think everybody is accustomed to that. And I want to start it with a with a story of when I was in college, 
our college, BYU-Idaho, was this small little private college that seemed to never have enough money for the things that we wanted to do. And so we took a different approach, and the college president would say publicly and often things like, we do more with less. We create a better education with less money than just about any other university out there. We do more with the things that we have. We make them last longer. We make them work better. And he really instilled in me this idea that you don't have to see a lack of income or revenue or funding or whatever you want to call it. You don't have to see that as a negative. You can turn that to be a positive. And and so that is the approach that I have taken for a long time with dealing with budgetary issues is how do we make more happen with less? And so that's an approach that I take. And the reality is that we could always use more money, more people, and all that. And so can you talk about some of the ways that we can deal with being understaffed? Absolutely, Jethro. So I'll say a couple of things uh, in general, if I may, before we jump into uh, the specifics. First of yes, all, the you know it's interesting. I, I, obviously, we're talking uh, to school leaders, and uh, I, as a former school leader myself, also dealt with it, and I write about that in the book. But the idea for for this particular focus uh, came from quite a few different leaders, mostly in the nonprofit world, uh, who were sharing similar concerns. In other words, these were all folks who ran a, a variety of different organizations, whether they were schools or charitable organizations or museums or you name it, uh, all hitting up against the same issue, no matter how well you might think that they were funded. Most people feel that they're underfunded. Most people feel that they're understaffed in some way. And what you hit on in your point, Jethro, in your story, I think is really, really powerful because a lot of this is a mindset issue. Meaning to say, if folks do understand that yes, we love to bring more people on staff and it's difficult and we feel stressed and all of that, but there are solutions, then they could really take meaningful steps forward. But if they get stuck, and I write about this in the book, that one of the mistakes that understaffed leaders make is that they sort of resign themselves to their reality and they say, well, we just don't have the resources. And so we're going to put out, let's say, an inferior product or I'm never going to be able to hire the best teachers. I'm never going to be able to uh, engage our students in the best types of programs. And the reality is, if you have the right mindset and if you can be creative and break through sort of those barriers that often get erected in our way, uh, we can, in fact, accomplish much more than we, we typically think. And a lot of the Epic solution is about how do you galvanize resources? How do you pull your team together? How do you as a leader achieve more both personally and collectively and in so doing really drive great results? Yeah, absolutely. And this, I love that idea of coming up with creative solutions. And one of the things that I did when we were having a budget crunch, I was able to give students an additional elective each day without cutting any teachers by being creative with how we were doing our schedule and things like that. And being able to like materialize these extra options for kids out of thin air was pretty amazing because everybody thought, well, there's no way you can do that. And we're going to have to cut people. And instead, we were adding programs for kids and didn't have to cut anybody. It was just amazing how how that could work. And we're able to hire a really fantastic person to lead to lead that charge as well. So 
there are a lot of ways to to overcome that. And you're exactly right that it's a, a mindset issue. And there are there are things that people run into when they're facing on being understaffed. What are some of those things that prevent them from being the most successful? So one of them, I think we just talked about the mindset issue, thinking that this is my reality and I can't really get around it. But another, a, a couple of others actually write about four and I'll go through them real quick. Number one, as I just mentioned, they accept the outcome as inevitable. Uh, number two, they start to burn their candle out at both ends. And so they kind of lose their their mojo because they're just working so hard, but they're not really seeing uh, a sustainable pathway forward. And at some point you kind of give up just because you've worked so hard. Uh, the third one is they fail to maximize existing potential within the organization. And then the last one, they underestimate their own leadership impact. And I think that what you were talking about, Jethro, the idea that it really ties into those last two, I think in particular, number one, there's more potential within the organization, in your case, more potential for creativity, more potential for programming. And, you know, sometimes people don't think about it, don't realize what's there. And, and in your case, not only did you do that, but you also, you also really appreciated the impact that you could have, whether as a teacher or as a principal in making a change in such a situation. And oftentimes out of our humility, or out of our desire to serve, we don't realize that we ourselves have so much power within us and we can make such a difference. So I think part of understanding how a leader can be more impactful and how a leader could really break through in a situation like this is to develop a sustainable process in which they are leading through their influence, through their leadership. They're leading you know, others around them to make the most of the potential that exists within them and to really think smarter not necessarily harder uh, in order to achieve their goals. And I think the the epic process that we'll talk about details not only what the leader could do to become a better leader, but also what he or she could do in order to galvanize those around them. Well, I, I think that that is really the key. What you said right there at the end is to galvanize those around them to overcome the perceived challenges that they are facing. And you talk about going from understaffed and underperforming to understaff yet over delivering. And can you talk about some of those steps you take to to galvanize those around you and to develop a sustainable process for making that leadership happen? Absolutely. So it's probably worthwhile to define the term EPIC, which we've talked about, which but we haven't defined. It's actually an acronym and it stands for four steps. Uh, e is for expect, P is for pull together. I is for influence and C is for communicate. Now, it may not follow that exact order in terms of the, the action items that you may uh, choose to, to, to move forward with, but at least it gives you the four in a way that's easy to remember. And you'll, you'll notice, Jethro, that three of the four between expect, which is really about setting clear targets so that you and everybody around you is focused and engaged, what we might call goal setting. Uh, number two, pulling together, which is really bringing your team, making it as cohesive as possible, breaking down the silos and helping people identify what are their unique strengths and gifts. Uh, number And the third, the last one, which is communicate or for, for C, is communicate clearly and openly. And those three out of the four are really about what the leader is doing vis-a-vis his or her team. The one that I didn't mention until now, which is the I, is influence. And that's about influencing and leading others around you. So of the four, one of them is about how do I become a better leader as a person and understanding my role and my impact. 
And then the other three are how do I get everybody to see the benefit of working with each other, of working in an aligned fashion where we're working towards common goals and keeping the communication super strong and super clear so that we all know what we're doing, what others need to be doing, and we're constantly supporting one another in the process. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about each one of those. Let's talk about expect first and, and what that looks like for you, because this is, I mean, especially for schools, this should be a pretty basic thing because we're always telling our teachers to have their expectations for their students laid out. And yet we still struggle with having our own expectations for our staff laid out clearly as well. So can you talk a little bit about expect? Sure. So I think part of it, like you talked about Jethro is, really having clarity about what we expect from our teachers, both in terms of their instructional practice and other areas of their position. And one thing that I I tell leaders to do in the ebook, I don't know if we formally mentioned it as an ebook until now, but Epic is, in fact, an ebook we'll get later to, uh, to how you could access it. But we begin with the idea of, you know, do we really have within our organization clarity Uh, associated with what it is that we're supposed to be doing both individually and collectively and some exercises there that allow people to go a little bit deeper. But then I think what's really important, and this is beyond Epic, just as good uh, professional practice for, for school leaders is to allow leaders to have conversations with small groups of teachers, as well as with individual teachers about what are the goals of the group And what are the goals of individual teachers? So that this way, we're always continually working in a way that is, uh, on the one hand, it's personalized because it allows me to develop my own uh, professional practice in a way that really speaks to me and helps me grow from where I am today, sort of like a differentiated model. But at the same time, allowing my entire group, whether that's a number of teachers that are clustered together in one form or another, uh, part of a particular uh, you know division or, or or whatnot within a school, and that they are working towards certain things that are ultimately going to be in the collective benefit of their students. So in achieving goals that are smart and achieving goals that are, you know, you lay them out in a way that's very clear, they're specific and they're measurable. We all know what SMART stands for, uh, as well as some other metrics that I that I talk about within that particular chapter. It gives uh, teachers as well as school leaders, an opportunity to really take ideas that may be in their head in a loose type of way. They understand generally what it is that they want and become very, very specific and granular to allow them to know exactly what action items they want to be taking and then to hold themselves and others accountable so it actually gets done. And that that piece, you know, being clear about what you want to have happen, we find very challenging especially when we're understaffed, because we feel like we can't ever take the time ourselves to set those goals, to set that vision, to make goals that get us to that vision and and all that. But it's so vital to do that, that we've just got to find a way to make it happen. So it takes time and it's not easy, but it is, it is really important. And when you do that, then everything else falls into place more easily than it would have otherwise. So I mean, it's going to be perfect, but yeah, and it's going to it's going to really focus you. And if would it be okay if I shared a specific example of this? Yeah. Something sure. that I'm actually pulling out of the index. Yeah. So, this is not necessarily specifically for a school leader, but I think it would be very relevant because oftentimes we have a hard time we we have so many things that that enter our inbox, so many different competing interests, phone calls and people who pop into our office and want to have a quick conversation, these kinds of things. 
And if you're like me, you know, you like the beginning of the day to be a time when you're, when you're particularly focused and particularly, you know, you're accomplishing a great deal and you know that this way it's going to get done. And so in this particular case, I developed a goal that looks as follows. In order to complete the proposal, we're talking about writing a proposal for, for a particular thing. Maybe it could be a, a grant in this particular case. I will set aside 30 minutes at the outset of each morning for the next four days for in-depth, uninterrupted work. So in that so far, I've got a specific goal, which is to complete a proposal. And I've got a what, which is my in-depth, interrupt, uninterrupted work for 30 minutes for four days. And then it continues. By completing this important task first thing in the morning, I can do it while my mind is freshest and still attend to my other tasks and responsibilities afterwards, which is why this is important because it's an important thing, Jethro, as you, as you can imagine, if I don't really value it, you know, I'm not going to be as motivated to want to do it. But if I articulate why it's important, that matters. And I'll go a little further. During this time, I will not answer phone calls, respond to emails or texts, or engage in any form of web surfing, which is how this is ultimately going to be achieved. And then finally, when the proposal is completed, I will feel as if a huge burden has been lifted from my shoulders and that I'm infinitely closer to closing this deal or to achieving this goal. And that's how, how I'm going to feel. So in the goal that I created, I have a what? I have a specific goal, I have a, which is the what? I have a why that, that's important. I have how it's going to be achieved and how I'm going to feel. And ultimately, by laying it out like that, it's going to sort of activate my mind and I'm going to be thinking both consciously and subconsciously, how am I going to make this happen? And in most cases, you're going to achieve much greater results than if you simply say, well, I've got this proposal, I've got this grant I need to write, and I'm going to have to find the time to do it. Here you make very clear what it is that you're going to do, how you're going to make it happen. And in so doing, uh, it's going to drive results. Yeah, very, very important. And those who have listened to my podcast for a while, know that I am really big on the one thing right now, which is really just a way to ensure that that happens with your most important work every single day. And that as those of you who have been listening know how powerful that has been for me, it's really, really amazing to see that work. So definitely that advice is sound and solid. And I fully endorse that because it is, it's life-changing when you actually like set time aside to do the important work and it makes a huge difference. So the next step is pull together. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. Pull together is about cohesion. And uh, oftentimes, you know, it's interesting. We, we think we have cohesive workplaces, uh, but we don't necessarily know in, unless we ask. And so I include in the ebook uh, a survey and the survey asks questions like there's a general sense of cohesion and camaraderie amongst team members, and they answer with a Likert scale from strongly agree to strongly disagree. Team members support one another. Team members are matched with appropriate roles, et cetera, et cetera. And what this allows a leader to do is to get some real feedback, not only about the general feelings of cohesion, but also how are their tasks aligned with their skills, with their qualifications, and with their interests. And what we start to see when this all comes together is how do I then identify opportunities to pull my team together even more, whether that's in meetings and conversations or team building activities? It also allows us to start to think about what's called a skills gap analysis. Now, in schools, it's a little bit less helpful, perhaps, in some ways, because so many of us, our teachers, are working in their respective classrooms. And in that regard, they're 
individualized in their practice and they're not working necessarily as much in in a team setting. But there are many, many opportunities, as you know, Jethro, uh, even in the school setting for teachers to work together and to identify, you know, what is it that my teachers or as a leader, I'm thinking now, what is it that my teachers need in order to be able to achieve their maximal output? What is it that members of my administration need and uh, what are their current skills? And so a skills gap analysis allows you to ask those questions. Again, right, what is it that the the position or the the project demands and what are the current skills that we presently have and how do we fill in whatever gaps we might need to fill in? And so when you're thinking about it more on a macro level, what starts to happen is you identify, you know, until now, maybe I took on X, Y, or Z, but maybe I'm not the best person for it, or maybe I needed some additional training in order to be able to do it even better. So pulling people together is about cohesion. It's also about maximizing individual and collective resources so that the the team, the organization collectively can move forward. Very cool. It's exciting to hear you talking about it because I've I've seen in my own life how how much pulling together helps. And you know, it's it's one thing to talk about it, but to actually hear stories where it's where it's happening. And you know, in my own experience, real quick, a short story about that is being able to ask people. Many of you have probably heard me talk about my communication cards and how you know, I asked people how I was doing at communication and they said that I wasn't very good at it and they didn't feel like they could come and talk to me. And so I created communication cards, which you can find on my website at jethrojones.com. And those really did open up the door for people who weren't comfortable talking to me and really changed how people could approach me. And I would have never known that if I didn't ask people what was challenging about my leadership. And, and when I did, then they said, well, this is an area that's tough and I don't know how to deal with it. And so I was able to create something that made it possible for them to know what to do. Yeah, that's beautiful. And that actually ties into the third item of Epic, which is influence, because I have the same story, Jethro, but in a different way. Uh, in my case, I had uh, taken a 360. In fact, uh, many of the uh, school leaders and other nonprofit leaders within my community at the time uh, participated collectively, brought in a consultant, and we learned all about the 360 assessment process. And each of us took our individual tests, giving opportunity for feedback to uh, people within our respective organizations. And the area where I thought I was really good, but turned out to be really lousy, was in communication. And so that gave me an opportunity to start talking to people, thinking about how do I communicate differently and better, uh, using my memos more effectively, creating more engaging faculty meetings, a variety of different things. And it really made a big difference. And sometimes it's just about asking the question. You know, nothing that we've talked about so far, Jethro, is profound per se. You know, it's not over. Everybody knows that with goals, you're going to achieve more. And everybody knows that if you pull your team together, there's going to be a greater sense of cohesion and morale, and you're just going to get more done. And we know that if each of us are doing what we're best at, typically that's going to drive production as well. But if you don't take the time to put it all together and you don't create the platform to ask the questions, then you're not going to find out the information that you need to make those decisions. So it's really a lot about just using common sense, but more importantly, to be driven to do the things we know we need to do and then use the outcome, the information that we, that we glean uh, to make good decisions around it. 
you know, I, I think about that idea and how influence is so important. And yet we oftentimes bypass it and don't think too much about it. But when we can build on our strengths and lead with our strengths, we become so much more impactful than we could otherwise be. And that's such a simple idea. And yet we still struggle with that. And so being able to, you know, really focus on your strengths and, you know, I think, I think you use the word shoring up your weaknesses or just delegating completely the things that you're not good at. You know, that is, that is a a strength in and of itself to just say, I'm not good at this and I'm going to let somebody else deal with this and I'm going to focus on the things that I am good at. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of truth to that. And if I could add something that you're describing, I'm actually in the process of preparing for a talk uh, to about 300 assistant principals down in Orlando next month. And uh, the focus is on soft skills. Uh, but specifically, one point I want to focus on the idea of of the influence that a leader has, because I think that that's really critical. You know, everything, communication may be the linchpin, for example, and, and relationship building and all of that. But it really is important for leaders, number one, to emphasize something you said before, Jethro, we really need to understand the impact that we have as leaders. It's a responsibility, but it's also a great gift because if, in fact, we can rally people around us, get them thinking in a way that ultimately is constructive and beneficial, that's going to make a huge difference. And so to the point that I wanted to make before, you know, John Maxwell is one of the seminal thinkers about leadership, and he talks extensively about people buy into the leader before they buy into the leader's vision. And that I think is so important because we often think that if we have a great idea, people will naturally rally around it. But the reality is people are more interested in rallying around us as leaders, as individuals, as people, as connectors. And they're less interested in many cases about the agenda we have to offer. But if the agenda is good, they'll support that too. If the agenda is something that they don't agree with, if they support us, then they'll perhaps push us in a different direction because they still want us to be successful and they still want us to lead them. But if our ideas are great, but we haven't found a way to be influential, we haven't found a way to be impactful, and most importantly, we haven't found a way to connect, then they're not going to support it no matter what it is that we have to say. And so that leadership and that influence piece is so, so important. And maybe we're, we're very humble. Maybe we oftentimes, like I said, don't appreciate our capacity and our responsibility as leaders, but our, it, it's really critical for our teams and for everybody around us, our organizations, that we accept and we embrace what leadership has to offer so that we could do the most to drive forth uh, the agendas that are going to get the most, not only out of our understaffed teams, but for organizations in general. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Let's talk about the last one, which is communicate. Yeah. So communicate, as I mentioned before, I think is at the essence of everything we do. I think it's really critical for leaders to to get ourselves not only aligned, but to keep the communications line going to make sure that things are happening the way that they need to. So for example, you talked before, Jethro, about delegation. Oftentimes we think of delegation almost as abdication, right? Here's your job, go do it and check with me in three months when you're done. But as you know, a leader cannot do that. It's important to give and, and even delegation, you have to know when, who to delegate to, to what degree, how much role you're going to have. But even assuming for the moment that your team member knows exactly what he or she needs to accomplish and the steps to take, you still need to be communicating with them on a regular basis. So I talk in the book about uh, developing the ebook about a communication plan 
and finding ways to cut down on time drains so that when you do communicate, when you do have meetings, you're going to make them as efficient as possible, still healthy, open communication, but efficient so that you're really allowing people to do the work that needs to get done. Because at the end of the day, in this conversation, it's all about how do you maximize and over-deliver with your lack of staff. So it's about keeping everybody informed of what needs to happen. It's apprising them on their progress and where they are vis-a-vis their goals. It's all of that. And it's being very, very mindful and respectful of people's time so that they can use every moment that they have at their disposal towards the goals that you've set. Yeah, definitely very powerful. And so, uh, Naftali, where do people go to get this ebook? How do they connect with you about these ideas? Thank you. So the best way is to go to my website, impactfulcoaching.com. And specifically for the ebook, they should hit forward slash epic, E-P-I-C, without any dots. And that will bring them to the download page where they can access. There are actually two. There's one for nonprofit leaders and one for small business leaders. Uh, I would encourage them to take a look at the nonprofit leader one and they can download it for free. And uh, there's contact information on my website as well. Certainly open to any interest in continuing the conversation that way. Awesome. Thank you so much, Neftali. As always, it's a pleasure talking to you. And I really think that these four keys in Epic are really a way to help us do more with whatever it is that we have, whether it's a lot or a little, they're valuable skills and strategies that will help us in the long term. So thank you for being part of Transformative Principle. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Be here actually a second time. Enjoy the conversation. And uh, thank you for the opportunity to get the word out. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.